Welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast presented by Royals Review. If you want to keep updated on all things Kansas City Royals, go visit RoyalsReview.com. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, you can do that too. On Spotify, you can respond to our polls and question and answers. If you respond to the Q&A, we will read your response on air in the following episode. It is July, but baseball marches on. We have two very special guests joining us tonight. But first, it is time to introduce my co-host. He was voted Shonen Jump's Sexiest Man Alive in 2013. He is the voice of the voiceless Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, how you doing today, man? I'm I'm feeling childish. Feeling childish. With that. I'm childish. Ooh, very childish. That's uh that, that's never a, a good a good sign. I'm I'm a little concerned about that. But hey, next up, you better know this guy because he needs to be in your Twitter feed. He is the multitasking, multi-screened madman, Preston Farr. Preston, how you doing tonight, man? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be back on talking with you guys. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great time. And last but certainly not least, he has made multiple appearances on C-SPAN, but you can hear and see him every day on Behind the Seams. He is Jared Perkins. Jared, what's going on, man? Not much. Uh, excited to talk some prospects. And I think your description was perfect, your Preston. Every time he needs a, <laughs> a information on a prospect, he's got it. Yeah. He is uh, He's ready to go. I will, Preston, I'm, I'm going to throw uh, Kings of Coffin under the bus because I'm always disappointed that they won't allow me to use your tweets because you have, like, the best video clips just ready to go. But yeah. I can't use them, man. I remember when I wrote for Fangraphs, that was a big a big thing. You can't use any videos that you can't prove belong to that person. Yeah. But, hey, it is what it is. All right, guys, let's go ahead and hop right into it. Um, a lot of, you know what, we'll go weeks without anything to talk about with the Royals, but a lot of good things to talk about. But today we're going to be focusing on the prospects. We just got to touch on a couple of news items first. So the big thing that all of baseball noticed the Royals, I think, kicked off the trade market. I know the Angels are going to say, oh, well, we traded for Mike Moustakis. <laughs> but uh, no, Aroldis Chapman is the first big trade chip to move. The Royals sent him down to Texas, where he is making his first appearance tonight for the Rangers. In return, the Royals got Cole Reagans, a 25-year-old starter and former first-round selection of the Texas Rangers, and Roni Cabrera, a 17-year-old outfielder who is currently down in the Dominican Summer League. All right, so Preston, I know you, uh, you've already got eyes on most of these guys, but what are your first impressions of Cole Reagans? Yeah, I think you haven't really seen it in the majors this year, maybe a little bit last year, but he's a guy that, at least as a prospect, before he had two Tommy Johns, he was known for having really good command. Um, his fastball velocity's ticked up this year. He was at 93 lately. He's been at 96 this year. So uh, I think he's got a good potential to be a mid-rotation arm. I know a lot of Royals fans seemed disappointed with him as a return. But, I mean, we were talking before the show. He's doing well in Omaha tonight. He's got five strikeouts through four innings. So I think he's a good guy that he'll certainly pitch in the rotation later this year. And he has a chance to stick, I think, next year too. Okay. All right. Jeremy, when you first saw the trade return, was it uh, was it underwhelming to you, or was it like, oh, okay, we got something? I, you know, the the trade market is not what it was. I think 2015 honestly kind of feels like the last year that that uh, a rental could get decent prospects, and even then, uh, you know, nobody that they traded for Johnny Cueto was was really a big deal i mean brandon finnegan was the best out of that bunch and he was he was a reliever primarily and didn't didn't do well for the reds um and so then they did sean Manaya and i forget who uh for ben zobrist but uh you know that that uh, that was the last time i remember that there was big there were big names being traded for rentals. So to get a, a former top 100 prospect who's still young, who's still got options um, and, and is a, a, a pitcher who's been developed by another system uh, that, that, that seems good to me. And, you know, Ronnie Cabrera, I hear uh, he's really toolsy. He's, he's very low in the minors. So it's hard for me to, to know what to make of him yet, but a young guy with tools is, I mean, that's a start. 
Yeah, it, it certainly is. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to Reagan's getting into Kansas City uh, sooner rather than later. Jared, everyone was talking about Rony Cabrera. And you know what? I'm not saying he's the major return piece. Everyone's talking about how he's a lottery ticket and things like that. Um, how, I guess, how much stock are you putting into Rony Cabrera? Is he just a throw in or do you think he could be something? I mean, it- it's a move that they're like Kevin uh, Kevin O'Brien has said uh, to us in the past that not one that the Royals are typically made um, going after these kind of higher risk guys that are a lot younger. Um, he's in his second stint in the Dominican Summer League, uh, but he was 16 last year. He's only 17 this year, so he's very very new, very young. Um, he was slashing 320, 469, 620 with an 18.8 percent walk rate and 10 percent strikeout rate. So those indicate that there's something potentially there, um, but I, I we really won't know until he comes stateside, starts playing in the Arizona Complex League, and we actually get to see him against not other 16 and 17 year old uh, kids in the Dominican. So uh, I, it's a it's a nice dart throw. Um, you never know what you might get from him. I think about, uh, I think it was the Padres who traded the Royals and got Esteri Ruiz, and he turned out to be a decent prospect. I mean, he hasn't really panned out too much in the big leagues, but you never know what you might get. And I think it's it's a really good dart throw to add in with Reagans. Yeah, might, might as well just see what happens and uh, let him develop down there in the Dominican. Um, now we're going to be talking about some prospects, but we got a couple of pieces of news there even. Um, first off, Frank Mazzucato is getting promoted from low A Columbia to high A quad cities. He had a fairly rocky last start, but I will say he has been, I, I wouldn't even call him the best pitcher down in Columbia, but he has been very, very good. The first round pick from 2021, a lot of folks really disappointed with seeing him um, come up at seventh overall, but he has been progressing probably is the right way to put it he has been producing at low a so far so now let's uh, see that jump in competition um jared just just for a minute let me get your thoughts on frank's uh, promotion there yeah i mean i think it was well deserved if you look at before he got injured and the numbers he was putting up um I, like you said the last start was concerning uh, chris clegg got to go see him um in person and he was sitting 88 to 89 with the fastball which is not what he wanted to see, struggle with the command, and I think command's been an issue for him the entire year if you look at his walks per nine. So he's still young. He's still figuring it out. But I also think that he was just not – he wasn't overmatched by low-A hitters. It was trying to kind of test him out and see what better competition would do against him. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's still some concerns to the, the, the entire makeup. But, I mean, he's still 20 years old, and he's still developing. That's true. That's true. Um, other – other thing to note, Diego Hernandez is making his comeback. So if uh, if you don't know who that is, he is on the 40-man roster. He dislocated his shoulder in the very first Cactus League game, unfortunately, trying to make a diving catch out there in center field. Um, I'm, I'm pretty high on the guy. I know he's uh, he's risen up in the top 30 prospects in the past couple of years. Um, but Preston, ed- educate me real fast. Is he in quad cities or is he in double A right now? Uh, right now he's, so they moved his rehab from Surprise to Quad Cities, so he's on rehab assignment in Quad Cities. I expect once he's done with rehab, he'll probably go to uh, Arkansas. Okay, gotcha. Listen, I, I want that guy, just send him straight to AAA. I'm, I'm ready for it. I want to I wanna see him in Kaufman sooner rather than later. Um, all right. Hey, if uh, that's all we got, let's go ahead and jump right into these prospects. Sound good, guys? Let's do it. All right. All right, so we are going to start down in Columbia, which, uh, Jared, you told me not to look at the uh, the batters in Quad Cities and Columbia, and you are correct. They are not great. But, uh, but we got Gene Ramirez here who is uh, doing okay, I guess. I've uh, got a 235, 342, and 382 slash line are uh, adding up to a 724 OPS Five RBIs, home run. Um, I mean, he's he's doing okay in walks and strikeouts, I guess. Four stolen bases will also help. But, man, that's some underwhelming stuff for a, for a full month, Jared. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't very impressive on the bad side. Uh, it's been kind of a struggle, I think, the entire year for Columbia hitters. Um, Daniel Vasquez was a nice little story for a little bit. He had a really hard June, but he he's starting to show them, flash them to potential. But outside of... 
him, uh, Carter Jensen's been playing okay, but there hasn't been a lot there. Um, Brett Squires was a runner-up, and I think he was an undrafted yeah. free agent, uh, but I think his strikeout rate is still somewhere in the 30% range. Um, so, yeah, it's not been a, a fun time in Columbia. Yes, sure as heck does it. Hey, um, Jeremy, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question before we move on to the pitching, the pitcher side in Columbia. So, on a on a whole, we've been seeing a lot of improvements when it comes to the pitching performance in like high A and low A, kind of that that very malleable part of a uh, of a prospect pipeline. Does does that make you feel better that you know maybe in a couple of years we're going to be seeing some of these guys coming up and they're going to be they're going to turn around this pitching development um, tragedy that is the Kansas City Royals? Um, it doesn't make me feel worse. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of a small sample size right now, um, though I will say that based on what we saw written last year uh, in that kind of expose about the way the Royals were handling uh, analytics, um, it sounded like in the low minors, it was basically impossible to get your hands on any kind of analytics as a pitcher um, or, or a hitter, I guess. And uh, so the Royals have completely shifted the organizational philosophy on that, uh, or at least that's what they said they did. And I have no reason to doubt them. Um, so uh, that says to me, you know, that we've got a, we've got a philosophy shift and then we've got a performance shift. And when you put those two things together with a small sample size, I think, okay. Uh, yeah, maybe there's something there. Whereas if it was just a performance shift, you would have to wonder, uh, is it just kind of a fluke, especially for the small sample sizes we're seeing? Um, the the other thing I guess I would I need to check, or or maybe Jared or Preston can fill us in is is what is the general offensive climate uh, in those leagues? Is it to the degree that what the pitchers are doing looks good compared to the league, or are all the hitters doing badly? Yeah, I think it's kind of a, I mean, it's low A, so it's kind of to be expected to a point that the hitters aren't very well developed. I mean, if I'm looking at low A, we've got Gene Ramirez, who we just talked about uh, on the year. He's got a 746 OPS, and he's 18% above league average. So I think, you know, there's some bright spots, but as a whole, the league's not very offensive-oriented right now. Hey, really, really sorry, guys. There was something going on on my end. I, I apologize. I have to refresh my screen. Um, all right, where, where where were we? Sorry, Jeremy. You, your question was your response was really good. And I appreciate it, Preston. What what did you just say? Oh, I was just uh, talking about you know the offense in low A. You know, what does the league look like oh, if we're gotcha. talking about pitching improvement? So I think as a whole, the league it's not very offensive oriented. If we're talking like Gene Ramirez, I said. He's got a 746 OPS this year, but he's 18% above league average. So, Hey, that, that ain't too bad at all. Uh, Preston, we're going to move on to the Columbia prospect or pitching prospect, excuse me, that Jared picked. Shane Panzini, who has been, he's been producing all year long, uh, been one of the standouts on that Columbia staff, a 2.84 ERA across 19 innings pitched with 27 strikeouts in that same span. Um, a 1.47 whip, which uh, does leave, you know, it's it's not crazy shutdown, but that'll that'll still play as a starter. So, Preston, my uh, my question to you is: Shane was not a super, I guess, like the Royals didn't invest a lot in getting him, to my recollection. Um, is he a surprise down there in Columbia, or is he a, a guy that's just developing how you would expect? I don't know if I would call him a surprise. I think it's nice to see him improve this year. Um, he's, you know, he's 21, so he's on the timeline I would expect. He's had some good results. His ERA is pretty good. It's 3-5-2 this year. But he's 1-6 for a reason. He doesn't really last in the starts regularly. Um, and if you look at his walk numbers compared to his strikeout numbers, he he's not very good. His K-minus walk percentage is 11%. And if you're looking at, like, a top-tier prospect, you're wanting at least 20%. Mazzucato's at 22 So I think he's developing nicely. He still has some issues with walks at times and with control. But like I said, he's 21. So it's, you know, kind of on the trend that you'd like to see. Okay, okay. But there is another arm that we do need to talk about real fast down there in Columbia. Um, 
David Sandlin, who has been another name that people have been talking about for the Fireflies. Jared, you, you highlighted him on uh, on your spreadsheet here. Do you think that uh, he could be promoted here in the coming weeks? I believe he was, right, promoted to high A. Oh, was uh, yeah, San, yeah, yeah, Sandlin's at high A. I think he's made two starts there. Yeah. So oh, pretty recent. dang, okay, my, my bad. I am way behind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I... David Sandlin's probably the guy that should have been the, the pitcher of the month. Now that I kind of dive a little bit more into his numbers, um, he was just far from overmatched uh, in low A. The strikeout numbers were kind of insane. Um, he had a 0.89 whip. Uh, an opponent's batted average of 219 for the month of June, 23 strikeouts in 18 innings. I, I mean, that's the guy that I was really excited about that the Royals took in the draft um, after round 10. I thought he was an easy guy that they were going to pay over slot, try to get him um, from going back to Oklahoma. And he's he's turning out to exactly kind of what they expected. Um, And and Preston, I don't know if you saw some of his high A starts, but I assume they, they went pretty well as well. Yeah, he's uh, he struggled a little bit with command since moving up, yeah. but it's still such a small sample. You know, the guy's got to adjust. Yeah, yeah, that's that is very true. He also well, just to throw in on Sandlin, he hasn't really pitched that long. I don't think. I think at Oklahoma, it was only like his second year pitching altogether. So that's yeah. that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Goodness. Well, hey, let's go ahead. We're we're talking about the River Bandits enough. Let's go ahead and jump on up there to High A. So we're, we'll start off with the bat because, man, he's been making some highlights with the bat and uh, with his glove all season long. It is Caden Wallace the over there at the hot corner at third base. Um, a 708 OPS on the month of June, I believe that is, Jared, correct? Yeah. Um, four doubles, a triple, a couple of home runs. 12 RBIs is, a, is really good. I will take that. Um Jared, seeing what what were you seeing from from Caden so far in June? He's just a polished bat. Um, I, I think he's what, definitely one of the better hitters in the minor league system for the Royals. Uh, you look at him, and I know the comparison between him and Gavin Cross comes up a lot, just because they were both taken high and early. Um, the hit tool for Gavin Cross hasn't really shown up as expected. I mean, coming out of the draft, there was a ton of improvements for Gavin, and so everybody is expecting that to kind of translate to the big leagues. But I think. All the underlying numbers for Gavin kind of show you that it's too soon to give up with him. Um, but, yeah, I think Caden Wallace is probably one of the best bats in the minor league system. He's showing that uh, plus arm that he has at third base. Um, and I, I, I really like and think he can stick at third and um, be a future part of the Royals as well. Hey, Preston, I want to ask you about um... – Wallace's defense here in a little bit but Jeremy first before I, I get to him um so Gavin Cross has kind of been he's been the the whipping boy for the Royals prospect farm system whatever whatever you want to call it um he's just been struggling he is like he was a preseason far and away the top prospect in the system and a top pick last year but if a guy's having struggles like this how how quick would you be to give up on him as a prospect? Does that make sense? Yeah, um, I, and and remember, this is coming from from me, who is kind of a prospect amateur, I guess. Uh, but I I would not want to to give up on a guy too quick. I think I think honestly, I don't really start evaluating whether a player is a bust or really I'm really excited about him until he hits double a at least. Um, and then I'll start looking at what he's doing uh, when they're in a ball and high. A, I mean, obviously you do want to see good numbers. You always want to see good numbers, but there's, there's so much going on at those levels. There's so much learning that's happening at those levels. I mean, these guys are switching from, from college ball to professional ball. And that's a huge jump. I mean, the only bigger jump I think there is is probably from AAA to the MLB level. Um, and so I, I, when there's struggles, I, it doesn't really super concern me um, because because that learning is happening. And so I, I don't really pay attention to the numbers, like I said, until until they get to at least AA. And then if the numbers continue to be bad, and, and even if you get like if you get there and they're bad for a little bit, I'm still not worried. Uh, but if they continue to be bad for a while, then I start to get a little bit concerned about where where is the learning happening? Why are you not progressing anymore? We need this. We need to fix this. Okay, okay. Hey, um, Preston, 
go go and throw in your thoughts on on Jer- what Jeremy said, but I also I do want to hear about Caden Wallace at the hot corner. Do you think he could stick there? Yeah, I'll start with Cross because, like you said, there was a lot of early this season. A lot of people kind of jumped off the Cross train. Um, he fell off the top 100, and it just overall, there's just a lot of negativity around him. But like Jeremy said, I mean, you're transitioning from you know the the college landscape to the minor leagues. It's a big jump. He's still walking at a good rate, around 10%. He was at more last year. But really, I think the only concern with Cross right now is the strikeouts. He's still showing the power. I think he's got 10 home runs on the year. Um, So the tools are still there. He's 22. He's not that old of a prospect. So until we see him get to, you know, 24 or even 25 and still see the same struggles with strikeouts, I'm not really too concerned. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's all right. As far as Wallace, though, as far as his defense, I think entering the year, I think a lot of folks would have said, yeah, he's a college, college hitter, so there's going to be some polish there, but defensively, he's probably average. But I think he's shown this year that he's a bit above average. I think he's a good floor. I don't see any reason he wouldn't be third baseman. And if we're talking about the trade deadline and a guy like Michael Garcia, I think if Wallace is going to stick at third base, it can add some fuel to that question of do you trade Garcia now to kind of kickstart that rebuild? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And uh, certainly something that we'll, you know, monitor over on royalsreview.com because uh, trade chatter is just going to uh, get louder and louder, especially after the all-star break. Um, let's go ahead and talk about pitching again, because man, there's a, there's a lot of good pitchers on the river bandits right now. I feel like at least, um, and but Tyson Guerrero just stood out from among the rest. Uh, 1.85 ERA across 24 innings pitch, 29 strikeouts and only four walks. That is just crazy to me. And a .74 WHIP. That is uh, just wow. Abs- absolutely dealing. I think Preston, he was he was your pick for uh, for the River Bandits, right? For the top pitcher. Yeah, I think you can just sharpie him in to pitcher of the month every month. He's super, <laughs> super underrated. Um, now he is 24, so he's pretty old for high A, I'd say. But I can only judge a guy on what he's doing on the field, right? So he's second in the whole system, not just high A, but the whole system in XFIP. Um, it's 289. His K-walk minus percentage, third in the system behind Noah Cameron and David Sandlin. So... You know, he's a guy, I don't think very many folks are really watching him too closely, but they probably should be. He looks good. Yeah, probably so. Goodness. That is uh, very good stuff. And then, Jared, I do want to talk about your, your runner-ups real fast. Uh, Javier Vaz, that, the, the late-round darling, as I've come to know him. Um, he is still producing up at Quad Cities. And then Mason Barnett, he is uh, he's doing better in June. Has he been in Quad A all all year? Am I just imagining that he was in a different team? Jared and Preston. Uh, I believe he was in. No, I don't know. Preston, do you know? You mean? Uh, are you talking Barnett or Vaz? Barnett. Barnett's been there all year. Vaz okay. was at Columbia last year, but he's yeah. been at High A all year too. Okay, gotcha. That's where I was confusing. Um, right. Hey, real Jared, I'm going to put you on the spot. Go for it. I don't think. Javier Vaz is the top 30 prospect yet. Would you, if you did your midseason, do you think he would be in that 25 to 30 range? I'd probably slide him in at the back end. Um, He had a little bit of a slower June, um, but he's definitely a contact first guy. He was that coming out of the draft. Uh, He has shown some more line drive power, and it's kind of stayed a little bit consistent all year, and I think that's one of the positives you have to, like, give to the Royals hitting development. Um, They made some changes there, but it looks like he's been really able to tap into that. And I mean, with that and the speed, uh, he's a guy that I would definitely put up there. I mean, that hit tool is pretty insane. I mean, he's striking out less than 8% of the time. Um, He's just a guy that I would still probably sneak in into the top 30 for sure. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, hey, let's go ahead and move on to uh, Jeremy's favorite level. Double A. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. Where uh, Jeremy, have you heard my disdain for a certain player in Northwest Arkansas before? Don't lie, he's your favorite. 
there there is one guy and, and looking at the sheet that guy's name is there so i think i think that might be the guy i i, I my disdain may not reach your level because i gotta admit you, you're pretty extreme here on this one but i i don't i don't disagree with the sentiment i am uh mm, god i just don't don't know why he's here i'm tired of it um, he's gonna give right, jorge bonifacio props though he's still hanging around at 30 years old <laughs> yeah just give him determination and and uh and stubbornness to just that keep is- showing up Yes. It doesn't matter how old he is. You can't take away that he has the most home runs in the system. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, yes, Preston. What did you say earlier? I can only judge a guy by what he's doing on the field. Exactly. Meanwhile, Jorge Bonifacio is no – like, I think he's like five years older than the average player. Hasn't even earned him a call up to AAA leading the team in home runs. No. Um, or leading the Royals on home runs and minors. <laughs> no, because I, I'm sure he bought a house there in Arkansas or something. He's just going to coach there next year. Just wants to wants to get a good feel for the for the team and things like that. Uh, but no, Jared, he he was your uh, he was your runner up for June, and rightfully so. He is still mashing. I think like last week he had two home runs in one game. Uh, he is uh, he's do, he's doing good things with the bat, but but dang, I just can't get excited <laughs> about it anymore. Talk to talk to 2014, Jacob. He would have been a lot lot happier to see uh, see these numbers from Jorge Bonifacio. <laughs> Uh, but I am I am excited to see one prospect turn it around with the bat, Peyton Wilson, uh, who did he had some pretty high expectations entering this season. Started off fairly slow, but wow, he uh, he looked really good in June. Uh, 270, 365, 438 slash line, adding up to a 803 OPS. And in the month of June, six doubles, three home runs, sixteen RBIs. Not really a not really a power guy in in my mind, at least. But more that uh more that gap power that you're looking for in Kauffman Stadium. Thirteen walks, seventeen strikeouts. Not too shabby either. Will uh will certainly take that. Um, hey Preston, I'm gonna put you on the spot here with with Peyton Wilson. What what are your thoughts on him so far this year? Yeah, I think he's shown this year he's pretty volatile as a prospect. Uh, entering the season, I had him top five. And since then, if I'm looking at midseason rankings, I've had him as low as 14 and as high as like back up to six or seven. So it really just depends on, like you said, the power. Nobody really thinks of him as a power prospect. But I think we've seen some changes this year with bat playing that haven't really paid off until recently. So over the last two or three weeks, you're looking at him slugging closer to like 400 or 450, which is nice. But he gives you a, he gives you a good baseline defensively. He's solid at second, and he's got really good speed. My only question with him is why he was playing a lot of center field last year, and he hasn't played any this year. That's really my only curiosity. Well, it's it's because you know Kansas City already has. I think last time I counted, twelve quadruple A outfielders in the, <laughs> in Omaha. Um, but Jeremy, we've we've talked about these uh, these. What's it called? Like position crunches in the minors before on the podcast. Um, which, just from your perspective, which do you think is more of a like typical Royals roster crunch? The quadruple A outfielder or the enticing middle infield prospect? Uh, in recent years, it's got to be the middle infield prospect, right? Nicky Lopez, Michael Massey, Michael Garcia, um, uh, gosh, there's. I know that we were talking Gabriel Cancel for a while. Uh, just, just, just all these guys just keep showing up in the middle infield. Bobby Witt Jr. Obviously, um, Adalberto Mondesi. Uh, not that I long. I was going to say it got so bad that we started Mondesi over Witt at shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there's there's just so many in middle infielders, and, and to, we're to the point where we just have to shove them over to third and pray. <laughs> we don't have any. Third, there's no third baseman tree still, uh, but the middle infield uh, quad A bush is is very strong and hail and healthy and producing much fruit yes but much fruits you could uh you can strike a deal with walmart there's enough fruit on that tree right there um all right hey jared let's go and talk about your pick for the northwest arkansas pitcher of the month who i've i completely have lost track on the double a pitchers because it seems like 
everyone just goes there and struggles for the most part. Like, rarely will you see a dominant pitcher in double-A, it seems like. But Noah Murdoch was absolutely producing in June. A 1.93 ERA, two wins, 18.2 innings pitched, um, 25 strikeouts. The 12 walks are, are a little concerning, but, hey, when you're giving up only four earned runs across 18 innings pitched, that is A-OK by me. A one point, or sorry, excuse me, a point one four three opponent average is very, very, very good. Jared, what are you seeing from uh, Noah in June? Man, I'm just excited to see him on the field healthy. That was the biggest thing for him for before 2022, at least. I mean, he went through missing the season for COVID 2020, and then he was shut down completely in 2021 after an injury. Um, and he just kept going back to the injured reserve. And it's just nice to see him out there finally just healthy and throwing. Um, so that's the biggest thing to take away from me with Murdoch. He's a guy who's always had like elite stuff that has just been absolutely nasty. Um, the strikeouts have probably been, I think it's sat around like 27%. Um, and the walks are a little bit high, but, and I think for him, it's just trying to get innings in. And I think it's still, even though he threw 70 last year in 2022, that's the biggest thing for him is getting in innings, figuring out how to stay healthy on the mound and really trying to hone in his stuff. Okay. Okay. I will, I will say your pick for runner up. I, I would consider myself pretty, uh, like, I keep close tabs on the farm system. I've never heard of this guy before. And, and Preston, you're, Preston and Jared, you're going to have to educate us on this. Brett Brett DeGeis, is that how you say his name, Jared? Uh, I think it's DeGus. DeGus? Yeah. I think if uh, I think if they remade Cinderella, they that's what they would, like, this is how they would spell the rat's name, G-E-U-S. It's not a... So I've got yes, Jeremy. Yeah, <laughs> we're uh, we're at that point of the podcast, my man. Uh, but Jared, I I know nothing about this guy, so please educate me. Well, all I know about him is he was signed to a minor league contract in May. He was a thirty third rounder out of a community college, I think, by the Dodgers. He's twenty five years old, so I mean, he's just a guy. I think they picked up in terms of depth and probably needing some arms. Um, nothing else I really have on him. I don't know, Preston, if you got anything. Yeah, there's not a whole lot. He's had a couple good starts at Double A, so I mean, he's looked good. But like you said, he's 25. Yeah. Oh, he's just a guy to to fill some innings. So he's but, he's gonna make like 10 starts for the Royals next year, right? He's the opening day starter next season. Yeah. Sweet. All right. <laughs> cool. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I don't think he's thrown oh, over man. 60. Or, yeah, he's barely thrown over 60 innings in a full minor league season. So. Oof. Yeah, yep. Very that that is just a guy, in uh, in my opinion, just a guy doing well. Just for, uh, the Gus. <laughs> the Gus is the guy for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's go ahead and head up north to Omaha, Nebraska, where we can talk about our favorite storm chasers up there. Which number one, they've been going back. They've been going through like all their alternate names. This year, um, I know I saw the the cattlemen. They were the cattlemen this weekend, which was kind of cool. The the jerseys looked cool and the logo looked pretty cool. I was like, hey, I'm, I might get on board with this. Um, but that is neither here nor there. A couple of guys who not really uh, not really surprised that they're your picks, Jared. But press, I'm going to start with you on this batter, Tucker Bradley. He is still producing for the Storm Chasers. Professional hitter Tucker Bradley. Yes. yes. Excuse me. He's a he's a true pro. <laughs> yeah, I think he's looked good this year, and he had a good. He's he's 25, so he's really trying to sniff the major leagues. But it's just like you're talking with that roster crunch. Where do you put him? Where's he gonna play? Yeah, and it's it's not like he's. I can't think of a. I can't think of an outfielder in Kansas City right now that he is clearly better than. Yeah, I think that's the problem. He's not bad. He's not playing poorly. He's walking at a good rate. He's not striking out. But who is he better than in the Kansas City outfield? I wouldn't really put him ahead of any of those guys. I always, okay. I always say that Tucker Bradley's boring, but in a good way. Like, there's just nothing exciting <laughs> about his game. But he also doesn't play bad ever. It seems like at any level. So you like try to find a knock on the guy, and there's really not any. Right. How yeah, gritty is that. he? What's that? How gritty is he? I watching Georgia. 
when he was there. I mean, he was always seemed to be the guy making the plays. All right. Gets dirt yeah. on his jersey. Yeah. All right. As, as the kids say, he he's got that dog in. That's uh that that's what they're saying nowadays, <laughs> right? Um, but sure. no, it's <laughs> let's go with that. Bombing so hard, Jacob. I love it. <laughs> yeah, listen, I I got this new setup behind me, and I don't know what else to do with my brain right now. This bright light up. <laughs> it's very eye. bright. Yes. <laughs> And no oh, one can man. see it. No. <laughs> Here, we're going to turn that off. <laughs> there we go. Look at that. It's amazing. Um, it outshines you, so now no, that's much better. It does. Well, I've, I have been getting some sun, so I'm not as pale as I, as I once was. The light doesn't reflect off of me like a moon anymore. Uh, but, no, I think uh, just like Robbie Glendening got traded to the Orioles – and like he made Such an immediate promotion. Um, I could definitely see Tucker Bradley being one of those guys like this year. Like there's there's gotta be a team out there who just wants like a fourth outfielder or a controllable outfielder at least, and you know, s- s- send over some money to the Royals. Give us some money. Uh, but I don't know. That's just my prediction. Jared, you yeah, wanna, I think go ahead. I'll just throw in there. I think that's a good uh, thought process with John Rave too. Mm. He's got like a 1.2 OPS in Omaha over 50 plate appearances. He looks pretty solid. But same idea. Like, where do you play him? I, I just He's like boring see, in a good way. Same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to see the the Royals marketing with with a player named Rave. Right? They're they're gonna have they have a, a party night or like what what's the celebration when he gets a knock? You know, you have the you have the Pasquatch. Do you have like? Like EDM lights going off in, in Kaufman whenever Rave gets a hit. Are we going to have to put an epilepsy warning before he comes to play? <laughs> <laughs> I can I can see like doing doing the screen like epilepsy warning coming up now. John Rave. Rave. <laughs> that that would be great. That would be absolutely great. Well, hey, we're going to be talking about Jared's runners-up right now, and uh, the first one is definitely a guy who probably should have made his Major League debut when uh, with all the injuries at first base. Logan Porter is still in Omaha, and uh, Jared, I mean, tell me, is, is he still producing at least? Yeah, I mean, he's in 284 this year with 388 on base percentage, 427 slug, seven home runs, 31 RBIs. He's playing well. I think he's striking out somewhere around 25% of the time, walking at a good clip, gets on base. I mean, the problem with Logan Porter, as we've talked before, just doesn't really have a position. Um, he can catch. He can play a little bit of first base. I think he's played some third, but they're they're not great. Um, <laughs> so he doesn't play the positions like at an elite level or even at kind of a, a league average level. So um, he's just a guy that I want to see get some at-bats because at this point, he kind of deserves it the way he's been playing offensively. Um, and so he's someone I would really love to see in Kansas City at some point. But he's not even on the 40-man either. Mm, that's true. When, he rem- when he you reminds me that- uh Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. When you say that his defense isn't good, are we talking like Edward Olivares in the outfield? Or are we talking like uh, – give me a comparison here. Probably like an, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like Edward Olivares. I think it's like a level that – it's real hard. <laughs> it's his own tier. Yeah, and that's it's hard to make a comparison to that guy. Um, I think he's he's serviceable in the positions, but I don't think he'll play defense as well as Vinny Pasquantino would at first. Um, what about could he play third better than Hunter Dozier? Well, uh, oh, yeah. I don't even think he's playing much third this year in All Omaha. Right. No third base. Nope. Um, but Which is I, his best position? He could be serviceable behind the plate. I mean. He's got a good fielding percentage, but I know that's not everything. I just I don't know too much about his framing ability and his ability to kind of keep block balls and keep them in front of him. Preston, I don't know if you have any insight to that. Yeah, I mean he plays fine as a catcher, but he's not better than Freddie for me. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's the other issue there. Yeah, he just I, reminds me. Better. Go ahead. I don't know if anybody remembers Clint Robinson. Yeah, he like dominated AAA, but he never showed up in game. This dude. This dude hit like 350 every year in Omaha, I feel like. But he didn't really have a clear position, and it just didn't look like his stuff would translate to the majors, so he just never got a call up. Didn't he drop like 
20 plus tanks a year or two. Something like that. There was, yeah, I remember, I mean, I was like in high school, but I was just looking at his stat line every year and there was no reason not to call him up, but he just didn't have a position. It's like a Kila Kayahui, another guy. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so many guys that, that come to mind. Like my first one is Ryan McBroom. Mm. That's the... A lot of first basemen hanging out. Joe Vidiello yeah. is the guy that I think about. Ooh, I haven't heard that name in a while. Hey, we're we're taking a trip down memory lane. But I, I don't like it. I'm old. It's that I point say? in the it's that point in the royal season. <laughs> or we, have we to just think about reflect the on the negatives of the past. <laughs> All the could have been. Yes, exactly. And there's there's a lot of could have been in this. Well, in in any major league system, there there really is. Uh, but hey, speaking of the the might bees, let's talk about some of these Omaha pitchers. Um, Anthony Veneziano was your pick, Jared, for Triple A Pitcher of the Month. And I listen. I started doubting him after his first, I think, two starts. Things were looking pretty rough for yeah. him after that promotion from Double A. But he is. I'm I'm looking at the stat line he put together, man, and he is absolutely dealing right now. 1.25 ERA, three wins over, and 21 innings pitched. That'll that'll do. Only three earned runs in that span. A 1.2 a whip. The the walks are slightly, or the walk to strikeout ratio at least is slightly concerning. Um, but it looks like he's still, you know, he's just limiting runs coming across home plate. So that's uh, that's all you can ask for, I guess. Yeah. Jared, I, uh... What were your thoughts? I was going to note that when he's in double A, he had a 1.06 walks per nine, but now it's up to 4.85 and triple. That could be just due to some adjustments. Um, And it's back at the kind of the levels he was throwing in double A in 2022. Um, And the strikeouts are down uh, below seven per nine. Um, So those are some of those the concerning things. Uh, I think he definitely needs some more time in triple A before he gets a call up to the big leagues. I know there was some clamoring for him to get shot up straight to the show, but I think just – it could be ballpark factors. It could be the AAA baseball. I know pitchers have been complaining about the baseballs being different at every level um, uh, as I get through the minor leagues. So there could be some of that related to it as well. Um, but, yeah, I think he just needs some more time in Omaha. Yeah, Jeremy, I, I, I saw your face there. And... I, the, the professional baseball, having consistent baseballs, should not be difficult. It just shouldn't <laughs> be. And yet it has been for years it has been and and i i can only shake my head and roll my eyes because that is just it's stupid come on yeah it is it is i mean jeremy even uh, at the major league level last year they found i think it was four different types of baseballs and it was it was last year that uh, judge hit the 61 homers and they found that like he was specifically getting or the yankees games were specifically getting different balls than everyone else that were somehow like charged more or whatever uh, it's just Come on, just come on. They they were the Goldilocks balls. I, I think that's what they <laughs> um, but hey, Preston, I do. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Veneziano because I'm sure you followed him from Arkansas up to Omaha. Like, what are is he still just settling in? You think? Maybe some of it. I remember last time I was on, we talked about him, and I think I said he's kind of just a guy. I really think long-term he's going to move to the bullpen. I don't really think he's got starter stuff. He's just not – isn't commanded well enough. I mean, he's walking almost five guys per nine. So he's walking more guys than Jonathan Heasley, and he's missing less bats than Jackson Kowar in AAA. <laughs> his, I, don't, his I don't like these comparisons. Please stop. <laughs> his swinging strike rate is not very good. So, I mean – he looks good at double-A. I don't want to just bash on the guy. Uh, it'd be good for the Royals if he could become a starter. But I just don't really know long-term if that's really the right role for him. And, sorry, Jared, before we talk about your runner-up, I do, Preston, I want to get your thoughts first on the pitching metrics in Omaha. I think someone someone in my mentions today described Warner Park as a, quote, Mickey Mouse park. <laughs> like, just the, the dimensions are very batter-friendly. Uh, how much, like, do you grade the Omaha pitching stats on a curve, Preston? Uh, I mean, kind of. The park is pretty hitter-friendly. Um, and I've said for a while the Royals should just stop sending 
starting pitching prospects to AAA altogether. <laughs> there's not really a whole lot of there's not really a whole lot of development there that they can't get in AA. But we've seen guys succeed there, and it hasn't paid off. Like Jackson Coar dominated at Warner Park, and then you can't do anything in the major league. So it's certainly a hitter-friendly park, and I think there's been talk of you know balls being juiced in AAA, like we were saying. So I look more to AA results. But if a guy goes from AA to AAA and starts walking guys again, like he did for three years, that's concerning, I'd say. Okay. See, Preston agrees with me. Double A, that's that's the league. <laughs> yeah, it is. Hey, you see the, the Angels keep doing it. They take take having guys go to Double A and bypassing Neto. I think Ben Joyce did it. They're they're just bypassing their Triple A team. Triple yeah. A is basically a good example too. And the Mariners yeah. have won games. They've just taken guys from Double A. So all I'm hearing is my worst fear is going to come true, and Jorge Bonifacio is going to make <laughs> That's why he's Arkansas. still in AA, because exactly. he's a prospect. He's got to develop down there. <laughs> they, they still he's not depth. <laughs> Jared, I just just while we're talking about it, do you grade the Omaha pitching stats on a curve, or is uh, it just you got to chalk it up to what it is? It's hard because it's like every guy there has a 7 ERA, it seems like. I think that's the hardest part when you start looking down the list of the Omaha pitchers. Like Mike Myers is down there with like a seven or eight, I think. Um, oh, who's the guy I'm thinking of? John Heasley, the same thing, ADRA. I, I mean, everybody just seems to be just getting lit in Omaha. But Marsh, the last few starts before he got his call up to the big leagues, he absolutely dominated. So could be a lack of quality pitching on the Royals part as well. <laughs> yeah, the, it certainly could. And hey, you, you bring up Marsh, he was your he's your runner up pick for the for the month of June and his good performances earned him his uh, his call to the show and I think he I don't know, there was the stat line wasn't great for Marsh's first start, but it seemed like wherever like I was listening to um Josh Vernier's post game show, I was listening to the broadcast it seemed like everyone felt good about Marsh going up against that uh, Dodgers lineup. Like, it's like, hey, this is these are some of the best batters that baseball has to offer, and you did okay against them. That is a uh, that is fine, Jared. How, how do you feel about Marsh's first start? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad, of course, but the Dodgers is the first lineup he's facing in his big league debut. I mean, you have to to at least put that caveat in there and. Uh, I think he gave up five, earned, struck out five. Um, the the stuff always looks good. Marsh has got great stuff. Uh, fastball's elite. He's got a good four pitch plus four plus pitch mix. Um, it's just the walks and the command, and I think he struggled with a long ball as well in the minor leagues um, in the past. So um, he's, he hasn't struggled with it as much this year. Um, but those are just some concerns that I've always kind of dealt with Marsh. Um, but he's taken significant strides in his game, and it's nice to actually see him finally make his major league debut. He's a guy that could end up in the bullpen as well long-term just because of the walk issues and the command issues. Um, but I think the four-pitch mix, you got to keep trying to make him a starter because it's it's real good. And if he can figure it out just even in the slightest, I mean, he could be a good mid-to-bottom rotation starter. Okay, okay. Hey, Preston, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you had to put... Austin Cox or Alec Marsh in the rotation for the rest of the year, which one would you do? Ooh. I don't think it's close. It's got to be Marsh. I think Cox can't really get through two turns in the lineup. Alec Marsh is a guy, if I had to pick like a, a major league starter to compare him to, he's a lot like a Frankie Montes, mm. where okay. you know Montes works, he, he works around a lot of hits. He walks his fair share of guys, but he can usually get pretty good results by working around that. With Marsh on his debut in that first outing, he just didn't really throw the same sort of pitch mix we've seen in the minors when he's successful. He seemed to rely a lot more on you know, pitches that we don't usually see him lean on. So I think he's definitely more of a starter than Austin Cox. Austin Cox is a good pitcher, but he's only got three pitches, and he can't really get through the lineup twice. Yeah, so true. So is Marsh's bad start? Is that Salvi's fault then? If he, I don't think he it was a bad make... start. All right, all right. I thought he was fine. Like, I mean, that was the only game they lost to the Dodgers. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, you tell me the Dodgers lineup is good. I look at the other two games and I go, eh, "Is it?" I promise it's good. Pitch <laughs> <laughs> tracking from against the dot or uh, Marsh's pitch tracking, and I thought that he threw the changeup more than we usually saw. Am I? 
Am I wrong in that? Because he he threw it. It was his third most pitch. Threw it twenty three times. I don't think we saw it that much in triple. Yeah, he didn't throw that as much in the minors, and he also threw his curveball a little bit more in the minors. So I wonder if he just didn't really have a good feel for his curveball that night, so he didn't really throw it as much. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, hope hopefully we get to see some more uh, some more games from Alec Marsh. You know, uh, they they still got Jordan Lyles, and he's uh, he's back <laughs> to uh, he's back to baseball activities. So Marsh might get option down, guys. <laughs> News I've been right. waiting for all year. I was kind of surprised Marsh didn't get optioned back down immediately after his start. The fact that he didn't, I think, indicates it indicates to me, anyways, that the Royals are seriously considering giving him another start because they've definitely in the past promoted guys for a, a start and then said, "Okay, now you're back to AAA. We need another reliever." <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's we we've seen it this year. We've seen it a lot last year, especially too. Um, well, hey guys, that is, that's actually all for, you know, in the, in the normal affiliated ball, Jared, you do have some names to watch down in the Arizona complex league and in the Dominican summer league. Of course, down there in the DSL, you do have Roni Cabrera. Um, Tony Ruiz, remind me, he was the guy that the Royals kind of poached from the Red Sox, wasn't he? Big power guy. Uh, Significant amount of strikeouts, um, but he's looked pretty good in the first couple of months. Uh, he's just one to keep watching. I think he's super young, a lot to figure out still in terms of his approach at the plate, um, but massive power. And so I want to get excited about it if he, he starts to figure things out. Okay, okay. And I, I have not heard of this other guy you have on the list. Uh, Mar- How do you say his name? You know? Milo Rushford? No, no. Um, oh. Mar- Marwis. Oh, Marwis Jorge. This is the the pitcher that was kind of the the prize or one of the prize uh, international signs from last year. He's the one that oh. trained with Edison Volquez. Um, yeah, still seventeen. I think his fastball has been up to ninety three already at seventeen years old. Um, just he's not striking out a lot of guys in the DSL right now. But again, he's seventeen. And he throws ninety three. I'm sure he's still trying to figure things out. Yeah, that's true. So he and I have something in common because at age 17, I was also not striking a lot of guys out. Nice. Though my fastball was more like 50, (laughs) so that might be a big difference too. I mean, I was I was striking out a lot with uh, with girls, but (laughs) (laughs) But all right, all right. Let's. um, You know what? We don't have uh, we don't have Austin Charles to talk about anymore in the ACL, but there are definitely. Uh, still some good prospects. You can always talk about Austin Charles. It's never in the ACL or time. <laughs> <laughs> very, um, very infectious personality, it seems. I love, I do love Columbia giving us more video on the field than, uh, than we see from the other affiliates. And uh, Austin Charles always finds his way to the camera. But no, there, there's a couple <laughs> other guys to talk about down there. Um, Eric Torres, that name does sound familiar. Um, was he was he another big international signing last year? Yeah, I think guys? he was. Tw- Preston, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was 2022, or was he the year before? He was, uh, yeah, he was the year prior. Yeah, okay. So the 21, 22 signing period. Yeah. Gotcha. But hey, that that slash line will play at uh, any level: 294, 356, 431. Um, only striking out at 11 percent clip. That is absolutely good stuff. And then Jared, you did you brought up Milo Rushford earlier on mm-hmm. um he was he was drafted this year wasn't he yeah 18th but, rounder he's another prep guy i didn't think they would get out of his commitment but i think he was committed to new mexico state um not showing much for pop and power right now but um showing decent walk rates different strikeout rates uh, another prep bet that could be a little bit interesting to, to monitor his dad played jim rushford professional baseball for a long time so he's got some roots there you go. There you go. He's got the yeah. He, he's got the the good the good family lineage that the Royals cherish and, and covet. And a five twenty four slugging percentage though, I will absolutely take that. Sounds like a lot of yeah. a lot of um, gap power. Yeah, down there. A lot of doubles. I think he's got five or something like that in the year already. Hell yeah. Hey, Preston. Um, I you you might know this guy, Emmanuel Ray. Is it Reyes or is it just Rays? It's Emmanuel Reyes. Okay, spelling error on my part. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I I don't know I I don't know how to pronounce most of these names. So so you got me there. 
Um, Preston, do you know anything about Emmanuel? Is he just another kind of, you know, a, a an international signing that we will see if he pans out? Well, he is an international signing, but I don't think he's just a guy. Um, I mean, he dominates with the strikeout. I mean, the strikeout for nine numbers aren't great, but compared to his walks, I think he had like 52 strikeouts last year with four walks over the whole season. So, um, it's it's in the international stage, right? So until he's proving it more stateside, it's hard to really put too much stock into it. But even this year in Arizona, he's looked really good. So um, not much footage. I think his fastball is around 95. There was a curveball and a changeup, I think. But I don't know. He's a guy, from what we've seen, he's probably going to at least sniff some of the top 30 lists for the Royals before he even hits low A. Wow. That's, uh, that's some pretty high praise right there. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up here because this guy has some ungodly numbers. Hunter Patterson. It's been eight, limited eight sample pitch. size. I, I know it's it's only eight innings, but when you have a 16.62 K yeah. over nine coming out to a 47% strikeout rate, that is absurd to me, Jared. That is just crazy. Is it? Is it just a small sample size, or is this guy legit? The the stuff's nasty. I think he's got a good two pitch mix. Joe Doyle really loved him coming out of the draft. Um, mm. In his recent uh, draft inter our draft episode that he did about the Royals' upcoming draft, um, he really touched on Hunter Patterson and loved that pick as a late round pick for the Royals. I think he's got he's definitely a reliever. I think that's where he's going to end up. Isn't in the bullpen, but um, the fastball's electric. I think he's got a secondary slider. Is the second pick okay? Okay. Well, hey, but between the three, y'all, um, I, I want to hear, are there any other prospects that we didn't touch on that uh, that you think deserve some recognition? I think I'd throw Daniel Lopez in there. He's been playing pretty well so far this season. He's an outfielder that the Royals signed last season. But he's another one of those guys mm-hmm. that's in, you know, between the DSL and the Complex League in Arizona, the Royals have a lot of guys that look good. But what's the competition like? You know, you have to kind of wait and see. Okay. Okay. Hey, there's um, there's one reliever I want to talk about, not for how good he's doing, but for how bad he's doing. Unfortunately, um, call. Yeah, Why are you gonna you know go what? negative? I you gotta leave it to Jacob to bring the positivity. Yeah, I'd bring the positivity down. Um, because Colin Snyder, I just um, I he just got promoted. He must be doing great. Jeremy, don't 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 you be don't you be trying to manifest that, all right? I was I am so pessimistic when it comes to Colin Snyder now, all right? Forty man guy. For they reason. had the forty man spot all year and they didn't use it for anything. Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. Like if they if they wanted to add one of these guys that are making a case to be on the major league roster who aren't on the forty man, I think Colin Snyder is the first guy to go. I think he'd be coming right back because uh, he hasn't really shown a whole lot this they year. Brought him up so he could perform, and then they're going to trade him at the deadline. Smart, JJ, six moves ahead. I <laughs> trade Snyder and Brad Keller for Shohei Otani. Do it because, because he, right needs a, he needs an extension. So you know, can we the, can we get the them to throw Trout in too? You think? Because I don't. We're giving up two guys. They should give up two guys. I, I don't want Trout. He, he's an aging veteran on a massive contract. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants uh, those? <laughs> but no, it's okay. And we we can all vent about this a little bit because I'm I'm going to touch on it. It was what were people expecting the return to be for a role? <laughs> let's uh let's let's talk about it a little bit because you know what? Go go ahead, Preston. I just think there's too many people. Uh, it got kind of hyped at the beginning of the season. Like I think it was around like early May. There was just people starting to talk about all these teams are interested in Aroldis Chapman, and it just ran from there. Everybody started thinking about all these top 100 prospects you can get. At the end of the day, I don't think teams are going to pay you that much for four months of a 35 year old reliever. Yeah, and he doesn't pitch. He doesn't pitch in back to back days. Um, I think. I don't remember what it was. I saw somebody talking about the Craig Kimbrell trade in 2021. And I think the Cubs got back, like, who was it? I don't even remember. But they got a top 100 guy, and it was a pretty good return. But we're talking about Craig Kimbrell, who was 33, 
Rawls Chapman's 35. Yeah. And I think Kimbrell had like an 0.6 ERA when he got traded. So it and, just wasn't comparable. Years of success, not exactly. Where it was right. Chapman yeah. had months. Right. And Chapman's exactly. coming off a terrible year the year before. So it's right. just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. One where he just crumbled down the stretch. Yeah. Right. And exactly. didn't bother to show up to the team's playoffs. Yeah. I think the Royals did really well. You got a flyer and you got a guy who you've got control for five and a half years and he's going to participate and try and pitch in your starting rotation. Yeah. You should be happy with that. But I think this, like this bridges the gap between, because what all we've been hearing from JJ this, this year is that we want MLB ready talent or we want talent. That's going to be ready to contribute within this season. And I, I was concerned, like, oh, man, they're not going to be picking up any young guys. They're only going to be getting, like, these uh, these roster crunch guys like we have in the outfield. They're going to be trying to get that from pitching from somewhere else. The Brett so Phillips, it, Jorge Lopez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know what I'm talking about, Jared. So I am, I am very glad that they bridged that gap and got a guy who can contribute this year and likely will. But they got a good, uh, good guy who – might be able to climb through the system, and we might see something from him in a couple of years. So I'm I'm feeling good about the Aroldis Chapman trade. Maybe that's just me trying to talk myself into it, but uh, I can't feel bad about it, guys. But I mean, you would Royals fans would want a, a top 200 prospect for Colin Snyder or something like that if they uh, if they traded him away. So what what do I know? I when they made that deal, I I tweeted out that I thought it was a good deal um, because you know the top. For, I'm always interested in a former top 100 prospect. Um, you know, you look across the parking lot and Brett Veach. Uh, he loves he loves a former first round draft pick. Um, so it's the same concept, right? And and if you have confidence in your development, then you think you can you can fix that guy and get it going. Uh, and if the Royals don't have confidence in their development, they need to find it. They need to fix it because that's that's how they're going to succeed. So I, I wrote that, and then I had somebody reply, the Dodgers are in town. Why didn't you get, you know, one of these top prospects from them? It's like, well, just because they're in town doesn't mean anything. Just because you want a top prospect doesn't mean anyone's offering it. I also think it's worth saying, I don't know if anybody said it, but there's a reason that the Dodgers and Rays are really successful organizations. It's because they don't trade those guys. Yeah. <laughs> they keep them. Who, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought, Preston? Right. Common sense ain't that common nowadays. <laughs> um, but, guys, let's uh, let, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. That's uh, we've, we've held our listeners for long enough. Um, Jared, I do, I do want you to start off with the outros because your, you know, where to find you and where to find your work has been changing a lot lately. So please let us know. Yeah, so you can find most of my work. Anything that I'm writing about the Royals will be at Just Baseball. Um, also host the Behind the Seams podcast, um, where we're just interviewing major leaguers and minor leaguers, kind of going. Uh, Focusing on the humans behind the performances on the field um, and things like that. So, got an interview with the Royal dropping next week with Samad Taylor. Um, so, Ooh. we'll be releasing that one. Um, and we got a few other Royals in the docket as well. So, you can check that stuff out on Just Baseball. I've got a YouTube page. Um, it's youtube.com, I think, slash behind the scenes pod. Uh, then, most of my stuff's on Twitter as well at JaredCP1. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All all that will be linked down in the podcast description wherever you're listening to this at. Um, Jeremy, we're getting to you because I do want a protest update. We uh, we, we need that. Uh, but Preston, where can folks find you and your work at? Yeah, I write at Royals Review. Obviously, you can find me on Twitter at Royals Miners. And lately, I've been kind of dabbling in Patreon. Uh, just search for Royals Minor Leagues. Mm. Trying to maybe start up some Q and A's over there and do some live streams. Change it okay. up. Okay, all right. We we see you making moves, Preston. Get it? I like, I like it. I like it. All right, Jeremy, hit hit us with the with the juicy stuff. What you got for us? All right. So for those of you who may not have seen my article last weekend, uh, I was respond. We talked about it. I think on Wednesday, uh, two Wednesdays ago now. Uh, Matthew Lamar wrote that excellent article talking about kind of all the bad news around the Royals, including a bunch of off the field shenanigans. Uh, and I, I decided I'd had it. Uh, and I started a protest on a Royals review where I am not writing about the major league on the field product anymore. 
until they get their crap together. So if you missed it, that's the deal. Uh, you, you, uh, if you've been paying attention to my game threads that I read on Sundays last week, I did. I watched the Rangers and Yankees game. It was the free game of the day on MLB.tv. I thought, hey, let's see what else is going on here. And I got to tell you, those Rangers and Yankees announcers are boring. We can complain about Rex Hudler and Ryan LaFevre all day long, but at least they're interesting. At least we have something to say about them when we're done. The games are awful, but they they are entertaining sometimes or even frequently accidentally. Uh, and then uh, this weekend I said, well, that didn't, that didn't work. I didn't like that. So today, uh, as we're recording this, I watched the Omaha uh, storm chasers, the first game of their double header uh, saw a professional hitter. Uh, and I've, I've forgotten his name. Cause I'm, I'm bad. Uh, professional hitter Tucker Bradley. Bradley Tucker Bradley that one I saw him crank a home run I saw a catcher uh by the name of Castellanos crank a home run I saw Jonathan Bolin who's who's on this this uh spreadsheet for his notable struggles have an excellent bulk band day uh and I saw Brad Keller make his second uh his second what's it called uh rehab start as the opener and walked three batters, but he didn't give up any runs this time. So progress question mark. Uh, anyway, so you also noticed, uh, I think if you follow Royals review frequently that I did not have an article go up on Saturday. That is because I have a very interesting update about the state of the off the field stuff from the Royals, uh, that will be going up tomorrow morning. Uh, as you're, as you're listening to this, it may already be live depending on how quickly you get to it. Uh, so hopefully you will go check that out and you'll find out, uh, the latest news on, uh, what the Royals are kind of doing off the field and, and why my protest continues. All right. Thank you very much for the update there, Jeremy. Yes, please go check that out on royalsreview.com. Some exclusive news and stuff from Jeremy Greco. That sounds very wrong. I'm not going to say that again. <laughs> All right. Please follow us on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod. Also, you can keep us in your podcast feed by subscribing to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We have episodes every Monday and Thursday, with this upcoming Thursday being the exception because it is my five-year wedding anniversary and my wife would kill me if I was doing a Royals podcast on our wedding anniversary, so that is not going to happen. Just invite her to do the podcast with us. You know what? She she might actually be be on board with that, Jeremy. You know, you know Let's her. You always you always hear her chiming from the background. <laughs> this time she she's off in another room right now, so I'm good there. All right, but hey, to, to you guys, thank you so much for for joining us tonight. I think it was I think it was a great time. A lot of informative insights into the Royals farm system. Again, I'm Jake Milham. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, go Royals.